Good morning. Can you turn with me to Revelation chapter 7? Revelation chapter 7. I think this is part four in our series, More Than Conquerors. Uh, if you want to see uh, the, uh, the rest of the series, then you need to go to YouTube, Harvest Church Croydon. And there you will find both the Sunday preaches and the Digging Deeper, where we go into the chapter in more depth. And this morning, we're at chapter seven. I'm going to read the chapter to you. I'm aware that this is going to, probably for some of you, this is going to go right over the top of your head. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Um, if you come into the Digging Deeper series next Thursday, I will explain a lot of this passage, but we're not able to do that on Sunday. So we will read it, we'll take it in, and then see what God wants to say. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. And then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. From the tribe of Gad, 12,000. From the tribe of Asher, 12,000. From the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000. From Manasseh, from Simeon, from Levi, from Isaacar, from Zebulun, from Joseph, from Benjamin, 12,000. After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing round the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they? Where did they come from? I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, 
They are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they be hungry. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd. Isn't that a lovely thought? The Lamb will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. When we looked at the first few chapters of Revelation, we found seven churches in trouble. Some of them are poor, some of them are persecuted, some of them are struggling. They are, some of them are being faithful to the point of death. There is opposition from the state, from the Roman state. There is opposition from the Jewish nation. There is opposition from the trade guilds. There's all kinds of difficulties in the church. And then we were encouraged because we saw heaven and the door was open and God was there on his throne. Then we saw the lamb seated on his throne. He took the scroll with the seven seals and last week he opened the seals uh, and we got to the sixth seal and the sixth seal took us to the end of the world. But it was a scary picture because God was saying in chapter six, in this life church, from the ascension of Jesus to the return of Jesus, that's where we are living now. It's a violent world that you are in. There's going to be violence. There's going to be war. There's going to be economic disaster. There's going to be huge global poverty. And yet, if you remember, there's still going to be oil and wine because there will always be the rich exploiting the poor and then as it uh, got worse there's going to be plagues and uh, famine and wild beasts and then our eyes were taken away from the world to the souls of the martyrs underneath the altar and you're saying at one time oh they're in heaven Praise God, they're in heaven and they're doing well. The soul spirits of the martyred dead are doing well, but it's still scary. And so we take an interlude in the opening of the seals. The seventh seal will be opened, but we've got further to go before the seventh seal, chapter 8. Verse 1, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for half an hour. You see, heaven's doing that. 
silence for half an hour. We've not got there yet. But the question in the saints' minds and the question in your mind is, how are we going to cope when the pressure is on? When the reality of some of these uh, six seals starts to bear in our life. Now, we've just heard the testimony this morning of one young man who at one point in his life started to feel the pressure of being a Christian, of being a Christian leader, of having to take people uh, with that um, first white horse conquering to conquer. And it was hard. But what about those believers that are in prison now? What about those believers that are facing imminent death now? How will we cope, Lord? Well, Rome, um, Revelation 7 tells us uh, they're just about to instigate the six seals when the four angels at the four corners of the earth they're about to bring it on and God says wait wait don't harm the land or the sea or the trees don't start it until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of God before you start to work out the purposes that are in that scroll make sure the seal is on the foreheads of the servants of God and he looks and there are a hundred and forty four thousand from all the tribes of Israel now when we dig deep, I'll be showing you for many reasons why I believe this is not 144,000 from all the tribes of Judah. It says it is, but it isn't. And I'm not contradicting scripture, I'm following it through. It's as clear as Paul saying, not all Israel are Israel. And you think, well, of course all Israel are Israel. No, not all Israel are Israel. There are other people that are Israelites that are Israel. And there are people that are Israel that are not Israel. And in fact, one of the churches was told, uh, you're, you're being persecuted by the synagogue of Satan. That these Jews are not true Jews. Um, and there are many reasons I will show you how, for example, these aren't the proper 12 tribes. It's not, it's not the right list. We'll look at that later. Also, this great multitude from verse 9, every nation, tribe, people, language, that's me. But the other group are called the servants of God. Are you saying I'm not a servant of God? The 144,000 who are sealed, are you saying I'm not sealed? So for many reasons, I want you to take my word for it at the moment, that what you're seeing is not two groups of people. It's the same group of people from two different camera angles. One group you are seeing God in terms of his covenant promises, 
uh, 12 from the tri 12 leaders of the old covenant 12 apostles of the lamb of the new covenant we saw that before 24 elders around the throne this time it's 12 times 12 12 times 12 144 and let's multiply it by a thousand when you want to big up something in revelation you just multiply it by a thousand and so you've got 144,000 representing the church of God in every generation. They are the servants of God. You are the servants of God and you are sealed. You are sealed. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 22. He has set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. He has set his seal of ownership upon us. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 14, if I go away, I will send someone else just like me. And we know him as the comforter. We know him as the counsellor. We know him as the advocate. The Greek word is parakletos, one who is called alongside one, the parakletos, one who is called alongside. And so we use the English words, counsellor, coming alongside us, comforter, coming alongside us, defence lawyer, advocate, coming alongside us. Jesus said, he will come to you. We've already read this morning in John 20, Jesus breathed on him and said, receive the Holy Spirit. When we come to Acts 1, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He will be with you and he will be in you. And there in Acts 2, they wait for the Holy Spirit to come. That is the seal of the Holy Spirit. The seal of ownership is upon us. So I want to just very simply say what does it mean to be sealed what does it mean to be sealed by the spirit to be sealed in the spirit well first of all it's about identity we share in the identity of the one whose seal is on us it identifies us. That's the whole point of this in Revelation chapter 7. Just like in the days, if you remember, uh, what, uh, the days of the Passover, back in Exodus, when the angel of death was coming over, marked out on every house, if you like, with a seal. It, they were sealed in blood. Oh, I don't affect that home. Oh, that one's carrying the blood. 
I don't affect that one. These are identified as the children of Israel and that seal saves them. They are owned by God. So when it comes to revelation and all the things that are happening, there is a distinction between those who are in the tribulation who belong to Jesus and those who are in the tribulation who don't belong to Jesus. Now, as Pam said to us earlier, uh, when we pray and we ask God to intercede on our behalf and Psalm 91 and all of that, it doesn't mean that things won't happen to us. Bad things happen to good people. They just do. But they don't have the same effect. That's the difference. I'll say that again. Bad things happen to good people. Let's say bad things happen to God people. But they don't have the same effect. So it's about identity. Romans 4.11. I'll give you scriptures for all of these. Romans 4.11. He received circumcision as a sign. A seal of the righteousness that, that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. This is Abraham he's talking about. So he then is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised in order that the righteous might be, righteousness might be credited to him. He received circumcision as a sign, as a seal of righteousness. When uh, Abraham was told to circumcise, and, and that would be the mark, it's, it's like the mark of the seal. It, it says, I am owned by God. Abraham is owned by God. Isaac is owned by God. Jacob is owned by God. Jacob's 12 sons are owned by God. They are all sealed, in their case, through the sign of circumcision. We are sealed through the indwelling Holy Spirit. It's an identity. Secondly, it's a security. Now, one example of that would be in Matthew 27, where Jesus is inside the tomb and, and the Roman authorities want to make it safe. They posted, they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. The seal was the most important part. You could break that seal, but if you broke that seal, you would have to answer to Rome for what you did because that seal says this is a protected site by order of the emperor. Now we are not only identified by the seal, we are protected by the seal. Um, if you read in Revelation 9.4, it says it again, they were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. On their foreheads. 
so those with the seal would not be harmed. Uh, thirdly, I like this one. The seal is about relationship. In Song of Solomon, it says, Place me like a seal over your heart. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. The seal of the Holy Spirit on you not only identifies you, not only protects you, but it's a symbol of Father's love for you. This is my protected one. Sealed by the Holy Spirit. It's a sign of covenant. Being sealed by God is a sign that he is in covenant with you. You know, the, um, the high priest, it says they mounted the onyx stones on gold filigree settings and engraved them like a seal with the name of the sons of Israel. If I remember right, uh, there were six uh, engraved on one stone, six engraved on the other, and that was placed on the high priest like a seal. The high priest is carrying on himself. He is uh, interceding for the nation, but it's not his nation. This nation belongs to God. Aaron is interceding by proxy, but this nation belongs to God. You belong to God. He's in covenant with you. He will, you may break your covenant with him. He will never break his covenant with you. The seal is about promise. It looks ahead. Sealed for what? Ephesians 4 says, Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You know, when I go into a, a shop, or let's, let, let's take it a garage, let's make it more exciting. I go into a, a garage and I say, that's the car I want. I don't want you to give it to anyone else. I want you to keep it for me. Well, you'll need to put down a deposit. You need to seal it. Okay, so you hand over your deposit, it's sealed. So I want sold up on that car. I want everyone to know that car is no longer available. It's signed, sealed, delivered. It's there for me. It belongs to me until the day when I come in and I say, right, I'll have it now. And you pay the price 
and you get the car. Now you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. You're still not walking in that full relationship that you will one day. You're still not walking in the reality of everything that God has done for you. But you are sealed. And it looks ahead. It's about promise. The seal is about permanence. Um, in Daniel 6, the king had decreed that Daniel must die. It was the law, the law of the Medes and Persians, irrevocable. And a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the lion's den that Daniel was in. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. So the seal says, this is permanent. This cannot be changed. Your seal is permanent. You cannot lose your faith. That's one of the theological questions. Uh, Pastor Ronnie, do you believe that a Christian can lose their faith? No, I don't. I don't believe you can lose your salvation. I think those verses that seem to point to that, you need to study them carefully in the light of the whole of Scripture. But when the Lord has put his spirit in you as a deposit, did I read this earlier? As a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. No ifs, no buts. It guarantees what is to come. There's a permanence about it. The seal, this is nice, it speaks of approval. God approves of you. You think, oh well, I, I, I do things, I'm sure, that disappoint him. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. But he approves of you. Because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, in your life. Here's the words of Jesus. John 6, 27. Don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, who? The one who is eating the food of eternal life, the one, the believer in him. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. I approve of that person. They have believed in my son. They have exercised faith in my son and in his work on the cross and all that he has done for him. And so I approve of him. I approve of him. It's a sign of approval. Doesn't the queen do that? Does she not give signs of approval to stuff that she likes, like a kettle or a, a, a particular iron? If it, if it comes up to the scratch, it gets the mark of approval. I think that's right. God's mark of approval is on you. Wow. 
Wow. And so the response is, I'm going to do everything I can to live up to that seal of approval. I'm not approved because I live up to it. I live up to it because I'm approved. If you're approved because you live up to it, it's a salvation of works and not of grace. But if you endeavor to live up to it because I am approved, grace is the starting point. So, don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of God. It will identify them. It will make them secure. It's because of my relationship with them. It's because of my covenant with them. It's because of my promise over them that we're looking ahead to something better. It's because of the permanence that this seal brings. And my mark of approval is on them. So they are going to go through the tribulation. Uh, when is the question? In verse 13. These in white robes, where are they? Who are they and where did they come from? These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. <coughs> they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The seal of God will not protect you from the tribulation but it will protect you in the tribulation there is a difference God says that the Lord says that he will give you the strength to uh, to stand under temptation that he will provide for you a way of escape so that you can stand up under it you still go through the temptation and the trials. So what is God saying to us this morning? He's saying, I'm sovereign over my church. I have sealed them, says the living God, with the Holy Spirit. Every opposition against his possession is an outrage for which the perpetrator will be accountable. Every act of violence against those that I have sealed is an act of violence against the seal owner. And for us, you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. You are marked out. God approves of you. Let's live as those who are approved by God. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Father.